0: Hey there, my name is Sandra.
1: And I'm Angela, and you're listening to Heal Your Inner Mean Girl.
0: The podcast where we help women who have walked away from a high-demand religion transition from faithful to free.
1: We also have great conversations and a whole lot of fun as we uncover religious conditioning and retrain our brains to see the world without the lens of religion.
0: All right, are you ready to get started?
1: Yep, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Hey, everybody.
0: Welcome (laughs) back to Hmm. Heal Your Inner Mean Girl. Welcome, Angela, for your second week. (laughs) Thanks. So we are going to continue talking about conditioning today. We touched on this last week, but today we are going to talk about the four areas of conditioning. We're going to talk about what they are, why it's important, and what to do about it now that you know that you're conditioned, because you are, I promise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do find myself fighting against it a little bit. Like, that's not conditioning. It's just who I am.
0: (laughs) I mean, the thing is, is that our conditioning does make up who we are, True. because most of who we are... Are and what we choose every day is actually determined by the things that we've learned in our past, which is our conditioning. Yeah. But I think that it's important to just recognize that, you know, if you're here listening to this podcast, then you're here for a reason. Like something needs to shift in your life, and you're probably feeling some, you know, discontent, maybe a little bit of misery.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm stuck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> might be stuck or, you know, whatever. And you want to change, but you don't know how. And so I hope you'll be open to the idea that maybe your conditioning has something to do with that because it probably does. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about what conditioning actually is. All right. So conditioning happens from birth. All of us are born with our brain completely empty and it's like a sponge and we are taking in everything around us. So we're learning how to speak. We're learning how to function in society, how to relate to other people, how to think about ourselves. All of that is information that we're taking in and that we're absorbing as we grow. And that is what our conditioning is. So conditioning isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that it happened to us when we were at such a young age that we didn't actually get to choose what our conditioning was
1: okay so then it starts feeling like facts right yes
0: (laughs) it definitely feels like facts yeah it just feels like it is the way that it is right and something that is really fascinating actually my husband and i were talking about this last night is that you know when you really think about it everything in the world like everything is made up by men Mm. every idea every concept, everything. Mm-hmm. It's a man-made idea. And so we think that the way that we operate in the world is right or good or true, mm-hmm. but really it's just some, what someone made up mm-hmm. and created as the rules. Yeah, And so it's not necessarily right or good or true. It's just what somebody thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And
0: when you really start thinking about that, it's like when we were young, we were looking to our caregivers mm-hmm. to figure out how to interact in the world. So parents, grandparents, teachers, the, the prominent adults in our lives. And those were the people who were responsible for meeting all of our needs. So they were the ones that helped us at our earliest ages figure out what we should believe and how we should communicate and how we should express ourselves and which emotions were appropriate, what our habits were going to be. Like All of those things definitely are, are conditioning. We just don't think of it that way.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure other parents can relate. My kids copy all my least favorite habits. So
0: yes, and in fact, funny story about that very thing. <laughs>
1: um,
0: when you were two, your dad was in basic training in South Carolina, and you and I flew back there, and you weren't even two yet. Because Kayla wasn't born yet. I was pregnant with Kayla. So you were only like 18 months. So I rented a car to drive to the base for his graduation from basic training. And uh there had been a hurricane right before we went. And there was like debris and stuff all over the road still. And so we're driving. I just I remember this so vividly. We're driving down this highway in South Carolina, and you were sitting in your car seat in the back. <laughs> I was was swearing at some of the things on the road and some of the people on the road. And by the time we got to our destination, you were swearing too. (laughs) Yep.
1: So, yeah. Sounds about right. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So... Yes. Children copy all of our least favorite habits and they are literally learning from us at every minute because that is what that is what their job is when they're young. And so it's important to recognize that our conditioning happens at a subconscious level. Like We don't choose the things that we're going to be conditioned with. Our brain chooses what to store for us. And the more repetitive something is, the more conditioned we become.
1: Okay. So I don't know if this makes sense, but if your brain chooses what to store for us, does your conditioning affect the things that your brain stores later? Like, I'm just thinking, because you can have the same experience as another person, but come out with completely different messages. So does your conditioning affect your conditioning?
0: (laughs) For sure, it does, yeah. Because well, I mean, because when we talk about conditioning, you know, we're it's what we're learning. It's all of the ways that we learn, and so the things that we have previously learned are going to affect the way our brain processes information. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I would say. I mean, I don't have any clinical evidence for that because I'm not a psychologist. (laughs) Right. But my guess is that for sure, our our conditioning affects the way that we're conditioned in the future. And when I think about religious conditioning, definitely. I think about the ways that I was taught as a child and how that affected the things that I believed and the ways that I acted as an adult within the religion. I
1: mean, yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So these, all of these early experiences then shape the way that we interact with the world. Mm -hmm. They shape our sense of self, our sense of safety, our sense of security and predictability. For example, if as a child, the world was not a safe place for you, then as an adult, you may spend a lot of time escaping from reality, like through daydreaming or scrolling social media or constantly plugging into other types of social media. And that's something we see all the time. Yeah. And I can definitely say that I am a product of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting to me, too, because when I think about like when I was raising children, you know, my mom was being severely abused and she was very distracted. She was a very distracted mother. In fact, I recently have come to the realization that I don't know that I was ever actually parented. But then whenever I became a mother, I was a very distracted mother. And I had never really thought about it. Like, it kind of bothered me whenever you guys were growing up because i knew that i was very distracted and i escaped all the time like in my thoughts i escaped all the time but it's only occurred to me as i've been studying conditioning that like i was literally following the example that i had had i was conditioned on how to be a parent how to be a mother
1: that's so interesting yeah it's fascinating to think about because i think about how i am as a mom And the super involved down on the floor playing constant attention piece of it. I mean, I know that most moms feel overwhelmed by a lot of that, but for me, like, it just feels totally, I'm like, get down on the floor and play. I don't know. That just doesn't, you never got down on the floor and played. I mean, that was, that's just not how I learned to be a mom. So it's so, it's fascinating to hear that that's how grandma was too. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cause we are literally passing on the things that we were conditioned to do. And I would imagine that her mother was not a get down on the floor and play kind of person just because I knew my grandma and that doesn't seem like her (laughs) no it was all business yeah so the thing that's really interesting and especially in light of this conversation is that most of us live in this blissful state of unawareness (laughs) and we don't understand where our conditioning came from and we don't even really understand the things that are holding us back Mm -hmm. in some ways we choose to just be blind to those things Because we're unwilling to look at what needs to be changed, or we're hyper-focused on changing certain things, and so we fail to notice problems
1: in the other areas. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: So it's interesting when you start to really recognize that you're so unaware of what's going on in your head, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're really acting on autopilot and just... Things come to your brain and move through your brain and do that, you know, and it's all, it's not something you're choosing. It's just, you're unaware of all of the things going on in your head and much of it comes from your condition. Yeah.
1: Well, and in coach training, it's talking about how things are just a thought and talking about this. It's like, all of these are just thoughts. And when I've been doing the thought downloads and seeing all of the thoughts and one of the things she says to do is after the thoughts seem to stop coming to just sit and wait until you start noticing them again. And it has been eye-opening to see what thoughts are actually there when I sit and listen for a few minutes. Things that I had no idea were going through my head. And so that's, it's with what we're talking about. It's like, I've been blind to all of these things going through my head and I've just started, I've been doing this for a week, (laughs) two weeks, you know? (laughs) So
0: yeah, it's fascinating. And when you start listening to yourself and hearing all of those things, it's crazy to see all of the things that have been driving you that you didn't even know were there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So when we finally wake up and decide that we're going to be empowered and change our lives then we're able to create new and healthy habits. We become more aware of what's going on on in our bodies. like We connect to our bodies, some of us for the first time in our lives, and we're able to develop self-compassion for ourselves and for the patterns that we've lived by. And then that allows us to clearly define what we want to carry into the future. And so- it's like this whole journey of awakening. I remember when I was really first going through this was while I was going through counseling. And my counselor used to say, I would I would sometimes get frustrated with my husband because he wasn't on the same page as me. And she would be like, he just hasn't woken up yet. You have have time. And I think that's so true. Like sometimes we get frustrated with people who don't see things that we see. But the truth is they are just, they haven't woken up to their conditioning yeah. and they're not being annoying or frustrating or whatever, because they want to be, it's just how they were conditioned to be. And they don't know any
1: different. Yeah, that's, that's a uh, good thoughts. <laughs> I just am thinking about some stuff that my husband and I have been talking about lately and the frustration that I've been feeling about that exact thing, because I'm waking up to all of these things, especially with going through the training now, the coach training and uh he hasn't seen it yet and it's interesting acknowledging that and the yeah. time
0: <laughs> allow him to wake yes.
1: up it's gonna be <laughs>
0: because the journey of awakening is different for every one of yeah. us and it has to start with awareness you know we have to become aware that the conditioning even exists you know that how it's affecting you today in your life yeah and so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Understanding conditioning and how it affects you is everything in the beginning of this journey. Yeah,
1: that is interesting. Well, it's interesting. So in psychology, they talk about clinical significance, which It's a little different because this isn't (laughs) psychiatry, but one of the things that they say is the thing that's important about the problem is that the problem is affecting you. So you have all of these different things that you have to, all of these different points that you have to meet in order to get a diagnosis. And one of them is that it has to be significantly affecting you in order for it to be. Right. So
0: Yeah. And so that's the thing, looking at your conditioning and understanding how it is affecting you and recognizing that like not all conditioning is bad I think I've said that before but I'm going to say it again because (laughs) because our conditioning really does make up who we are Mm -hmm. and that's not a bad thing it's just that now we're adults and so we get to wake up and choose the things that we want to have running our lives yeah And so that's the type of affecting that I'm talking about, because as a coach, like I'm not going to give you a diagnosis and that's not my job because I'm not the expert in your life. You are the expert in your life. Mm -hmm. And so you get to look at your life and say, you know, these are things that I don't really like about myself or about the way that things are happening. And then uncover what might be going on underneath that so that you can figure out what the conditioning is and what you need to change. Yeah. So, welcome to adulthood. <laughs> you get to choose. That is so exciting. <laughs> all right. So, let's talk about the four areas of conditioning. The first area is religious conditioning. And if you're here listening to this podcast, my guess is you have some religious conditioning because that's what this yes. is all about. <laughs> So religious conditioning is the after effect of the doctrines and culture of religion. And if you've ever been part of a church, then I'm pretty sure you have religious conditioning. And if you were a member of a high demand religion, then you probably have a lot of religious conditioning. And it probably reaches into areas of your life that you haven't even recognized at this point. So some examples of religious conditioning are things like purity culture. That's a big one. Yeah. And another one, this is probably one of the ones that is the biggest for me is the glorification of suffering. And I think it's something that I have actually just become aware of recently, but I find it so interesting that within religion, suffering is worn like a badge of honor. Like if I am suffering, then somehow I am more righteous. (laughs) And I literally had a friend whenever I, she was a close friend of mine, whenever I was active in my church. And I remember we were talking one day and she told me that she felt really inferior to me because she had never had any major trauma. Like she had grown up in a normal household with parents that loved her and treated her well. And she got married into a great family and her husband treated her well. And all they had never really struggled financially and she just didn't feel like she had any trauma. And somehow in her mind, my trauma made me more righteous. It made me superior to her. Oh my gosh. And I was <laughs> like, you can have <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh. because it was crazy to me that she saw that as like a positive yeah but now I look at it and my conditioning taught me that I should always look for lessons that I could learn from my difficulties and that I should be grateful for my suffering. I mean, it's a characteristic that has gotten me through some really difficult circumstances. And so it's not necessarily something I want to get rid of. But outside of religion, I'm noticing that people put a lot of emphasis on celebrating successes instead of celebrating trauma. Yeah, that's a totally new concept to me. And I have a really hard time acknowledging and celebrating the good things in my life.
1: Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. The other day I was talking to a friend. And she complimented me on something. And I was actually really proud of the thing that she was complimenting me on. But it's so uncomfortable to celebrate those successes that instead I made some negative, you know, self-deprecating comment or whatever about what was going on. Because that feels more natural. Like, how screwed up is that? Ah, (laughs) That feels more natural than...
0: It's crazy, but that is conditioning, right? We could list a ton of different ones. Uh, Another one that I thought of was the constant focus on eternal life
1: Mm -hmm. instead
0: of focusing on today. Always be thinking about what's going to happen in the next life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to worry about anything that's happening now because we always have the next life. Yeah.
0: And it's uh, endure to the end because then you'll have the glory and the happiness.
1: Yeah. it's crazy That's another one that i've been thinking of lately is the high expectations that are put on kids Mm. like having to get baptized when they're eight and make such a huge life decision to join this religion a very you know a high demand religion (laughs) that they have no understanding yeah my kids can't even decide if they want a red popsicle or a purple popsicle (laughs) and that's (laughs) I just, that's not a good day. I mean, it's just crazy. And then this expectation for kids to always be joyful and happy and emotionally regulated when adults aren't even doing those things. Right. <laughs> and we're just yeah. expecting, I mean, I don't know. I just have noticed lately, like my kids are getting older and Ellie will be six. And James just turned four. And I'm like, oh, you guys are so old. But then other times I look at them and I just, they're so little, <laughs> Yeah. They've been, I mean, they've only been on the earth for four and six years. Like, it's just to have all of these high expectations is just, it's just crazy.
0: (laughs) It is. So yeah, so that's some examples of religious conditioning. And there are so many more. We could go on and on and on. I mean, as I mentioned in the last podcast, like I'm creating a list that has over 200 areas that I personally know I was conditioned in from religion. And so it's huge. Religious conditioning, especially when you're in a high demand religion that literally just infiltrates every area of your life. Mm -hmm. There's no way you can't have conditioning if you were a member of one of those religions. Yeah. So that's the first area of conditioning. The second area is actually your family. And your family conditions you in all kinds of ways. I mean, literally, as we talked about at the beginning, like you're watching your parents, your grandparents do things from the earliest ages, and you're being conditioned just from that, from those things. But then one of the big areas that I find with my clients is with family rules. And every family has their own set of rules, like every family. And some of the rules are spoken and some of the rules are unspoken. But these are the rules we live by and we all know they exist. So like some spoken rules, spoken rules are usually pretty well defined in your brain. And you could tell me what they were if I asked you, like, I was not allowed to have sleepovers as a child. That was a rule in our house. I was not allowed to drink caffeine. You know, there was no caffeine in our house, no Coke, no nothing. I remember I loved Mountain Dew and I sneak it because I was not allowed. To
1: you caffeine. loved Mountain Dew. I don't know why I would not picture you loving Mountain Dew. I don't think I've ever seen you drink Mountain Dew yeah. ever in my entire life. Well, You did
0: see <laughs> me drink it when you were young. You just don't remember. But I actually I worked a job whenever you were really little it was a nighttime job that I was a night watch for a school for teenage girls who were like drug drug addicts and stuff like that and uh, that was how I stayed awake all night I would literally on my way to work stop and get 64 ounces of Mountain Dew and I would (laughs) drink it (laughs) and when I quit that job I've never touched it again (laughs) 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 Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> but other rules like i know like i we knew that we always attended church on sunday mm, you had to be yeah. growing up or worse to not go to church on sunday
1: you did not have alternate sunday activities no, in your not i'm glad that you broke that rule for us
0: (laughs) ultimate sunday activities were the best but they did not come from my tradition (laughs) you know and i i knew that my bed had to be made before i left the house in the morning like literally if our beds were not made when we left the house in the morning my dad would come to the school and get us and we would have to go home and make our bed wow that was a rule
1: Wow. So this- that's, that's crazy. I mean, it makes sense why your bed is always made. I think you even made your bed right after your surgeries. Like it was one of the first things I remember helping you with after your surgeries, when you started being able to get out of bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true.
1: Cause your- <laughs> I, there's some
0: serious conditioning around. Bed. <laughs> yes,
1: and There was a
0: time period that I rebelled against that and I quit making my bed for a while, but It drove me insane because I'm so conditioned (laughs) to have a big bed. So
1: there you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then there's the unspoken rules and the unspoken rules can usually be identified by the should sentences in your brain. Okay. So these are the rules that no one ever talked about, but that you knew this was how you acted. Like maybe it was, I should be happy all the time or I shouldn't cry. I shouldn't make mistakes. I should make sure that mom is happy all the time. I should eat everything on my plate. I shouldn't be anxious. I mean, you know, there's all of those kinds of things. And I'm curious, Angela, if you know the, the unspoken rules from our house, when you were being raised,
1: Oh, I was trying to think about it. (laughs) Um, Hmm. I mean, I think that making sure mom is happy is one that I felt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there was definitely like a cleaning things I should have. It's, it's not even I should have things clean. It's I should have things clean the right way. Absolutely, There is a right way to clean things. Yes, and <laughs> that was spoken and unspoken. <laughs> I mean, we literally had lists in every room (laughs) to tell us what the right way to clean was. I think that my rebellion against that rule was that now, I don't even know if it's, I don't know if it's a rebellion or not, but my house is typically fairly messy. It's organized chaos, but I feel like it's because I have to clean it the right way. If I'm not going to take the time to clean it the right way, then I'm just not going to clean it. And so when I clean, our house is I mean, I down to the lines on the carpet, like I know how to get those nice, perfect, straight, like <laughs> slightly overlapping lines on the carpet. And after after Greg and I got married, it was like in our family, we all cleaned up after dinner. and cl- and doing the dishes or cleaning up after dinner meant, All the dishes were done. Counters were completely cleaned, wiped off, sprayed off, table cleared. The floor swept, possibly mopped, depending on the day. I mean, we left that kitchen sparklingly clean every night. And when Greg and I got married, he didn't clean. He doesn't clean the kitchen that way if he when he cleans the kitchen he does whatever dishes will fit in the dishwasher and maybe wipes off the empty spots on the counter <laughs> <laughs> and that has been something that I've had to you know it took me several years we've been married for almost two decades now I feel like I most days I'm like it's fine I can do the rest of it <laughs> so that's one yeah, that, was, that was
0: some good conditioning we did
1: for you guys well, and I think that that like that must have come from your conditioning because I remember being at a cousin's house and we were in charge of during the summer and we were in charge of cleaning the bathroom and we're in the bathroom and he's like, he's like, okay, you want to know a secret? I'm like, yeah, it's like, okay you don't actually have to clean the bathroom. I was like, um, yeah, you do. They're going to come in and check. And he's like, no, no, no. they're going to come in and check, but they're going to check to make sure the mirror is clean and the Chrome is polished and the base of the toilet. <laughs> and he had this list of things. So we focused only on those areas.
0: Awesome.
1: And then we were done.
0: <laughs> he was not wrong. And yes, that did come from my family because we cleaned perfectly in my family. Our house was always clean. So, yeah, those are great examples. And I think it's really natural that families are conditioned to kind of have the same worldview, the same basic rules for behavior, you know, similar ways of looking at themselves as individuals because. When you're raised by two people who are working together, then you're likely going to have a lot of similarities to your siblings. And I think it's interesting that like you have similarities to your cousins too, because that conditioning from my family was so strong that it bled through (laughs) into my parenting (laughs) and my siblings parenting apparently. So So that's kind of family conditioning, right? And again, not all conditioning is bad. And some conditioning is not bad, but maybe you don't want to keep it. And so it's uncovering the conditioning that you were given as a child and then looking at it and deciding if it matches your values and if you want to continue on with that. So that is family conditioning a little bit. The third area of conditioning is our patriarchal society. So the patriarchy has contributed to all of our conditioning and particularly the way that gender roles are defined for most of us. Like, even if it was never said, we believe that women are the weaker gender, right? Mm -hmm. Women are the nurturers and the caregivers. Women should be meek and mild. Whereas men, on the other hand, are seen as stronger and more capable and they're the providers and protectors and they should be aggressive. And although these are very generalized descriptions, you know, they're things that many of us were raised believing and we could yeah. talk about the patriarchal influences specifically for many, many years.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think
0: it's, I mean, there's actually one of my favorite podcasts is Unfuck Your Brain. And it's by Carla Lowenthal. And that's what she talks about. She talks about the influences of, of the patriarchy. And it is powerful. So if you want a great podcast, there's a lot of swearing because I mean, it is called Unfuck Your Brain, but we took on traditional gender roles when we got married. And because of that, I'm conditioned to take care of certain things and he's conditioned to take care of other things. And our kids are conditioned in certain ways as well.
1: Yeah, I think about when Greg and I first got married, we were walking through campus one day and I was like I'm gonna be a doctor and I had always had I mean I had gone through like doctor math teacher, English teacher architect author I always had something that I wanted to do but I decided that I was like I'm gonna be a doctor and uh decided we were gonna like switch things on our on its head and he was gonna stay home with the kids and I was gonna be a doctor and we were gonna whatever and then <laughs> it's interesting because there were two things that happened first I mean, we woke up and went back to real life the next day and that wasn't what anybody else around us was doing and then when we told I can't remember if we told you and dad or his parents but it was like well yeah but Angela when you have kids you're not going to want to go work and <laughs> and it wasn't like being mean or anything like that it was just like no when you have a baby you're not going to want to and Those messages, which I mean, it came from there, but it had been the message for, you know, my whole life before that. It stuck with me and it took us 10 years before I got pregnant with Ellie. And even though we didn't have kids, I was the homemaker. I could have gone and worked full time and been fine. I could have gone to school full-time. I could have done anything I wanted to because it was literally just Greg and I. But instead, I stayed home and I cooked and I cleaned and I did part-time flexible jobs. It took forever before I even made my education a priority. And then I got my degree right before Ellie was born. And then when she was born, I couldn't see an alternative to staying home with her. That conditioning came back. Even though I had had all these plans, at that point, we were actually working towards me being a physician's assistant. And as soon as I got pregnant, I changed my degree. I did everything. I couldn't see an alternative, even though we had had this whole plan of how it was going to work. It was so strong that my role was to be home and take care of her. And I still struggle to reconcile it. Like I see that there's conditioning there. And then I also am like, well, but I, I love my kids and I like being home with them and especially parenting outside of the church. It's different and I'm enjoying it more. Right. But I struggle with those thoughts about I should be home. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, and it is. It's hard cuz it is how you were raised. It's how I was raised and and I loved being a stay-at-home mom and also I resented being a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. <laughs> but there's so much conditioning that is just in society around yeah. the, the gender roles, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate for men and women and you know, and that's a huge area of conditioning. So that's the third area. And then the last area is kind of a mishmash of all the other ways that we're conditioned, right? There's, we're conditioned by trauma and abuse, by our peer influences, by the schools that we attend, by being bullied. I have a client I work with that she was really bullied as a kid, and that has created all kinds of beliefs for her about who she is and her importance in the world, you know? Yeah your race, your culture, your socioeconomic class, all of those things create conditioning. Media and advertisements is another area. I mean, honestly, like (laughs) I can literally tell you exactly what is on a Big Mac. (laughs) And it's not because I worked at McDonald's because I did that too. But it's because there was a commercial when I was a kid that listed the ingredients of a Big Mac on the radio. And I still know that song.
1: That's like the the um we were just talking about this the other day. Shane Company in Arizona on Scottsdale Road in Tacoma, <laughs> five months <miles> of <laughs> Bell Road, open weekdays till eight, Saturday and Sunday till five online at shaneco.com <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. if I ever am in Arizona and need jewelry. <laughs> I know,
0: right? And that is some powerful conditioning. I mean, music and repetition and you know jingles and those kinds of things—they condition us, and they are things that we remember. Our brains latch onto those things. So you know, that's a great example of media advertising. Yes, (laughs) but there are so many areas. You know, I know for a fact that I have a lot of conditioning from my own trauma and abuse. It's something I deal with all the time, pushing through my fears and figuring out how to calm my nervous system. And that's why I became a trauma recovery coach, because it's something that has affected me so much is the conditioning around those things and conditioning for our race. We unfortunately live in a time where there are very clear roles for different races and we're, we're fighting against that now but we were conditioned to see things in certain ways. And so, so those are, you know, that's the fourth area of all these different ways that we're conditioned in our lives. So the first area is religious conditioning. Second is our family and our family rules. Third is the patriarchal society. And then the fourth is all of the other ways that we're conditioned. Those are the areas of conditioning. And so when you look at that, like, we are constantly being conditioned yeah our childhood conditioning tends to be the strongest because it took place when our brain was still developing and so those neural pathways have been around the longest and they were it, they were made when we were the most impressionable but conditioning happens all the time and awareness is the first step to undoing your conditioning you have to know what you were conditioned to do in order to change it that's just that's just how it goes
1: or not change it right because since not all conditioning is bad you can if you're aware of it you can choose if you want to keep it yeah you're not aware from it of it then you can't make the decision and making the decision is the whole (laughs) Right,
0: exactly. And so I think looking at just looking at all the different ways that we're conditioned, not just within religion can help you see, you know, that not all conditioning is bad, right? There's positive conditioning, and there's negative conditioning, because sometimes when we've just come out of a high demand religion, you just want the it's the pendulum swing, right? I just (laughs) want to get rid of everything I was ever taught in that organization. Because you're mad or you see it for the first time in your life and you just don't want anything to do with it.
1: Don't tell me what to do with my life.
0: Right, exactly. (laughs) But the truth is that there's probably a lot of things that you learned inside of religion that are not bad that you may want to hang on to, Mm -hmm. but you have to be aware of what they are so that you can make that conscious choice yeah whether or not you want to get rid of all of it throw it all out or pick and choose yeah. what works for you and yeah. there's no right or wrong way to do that there's only your way you are the one in charge of your life mm-hmm. and so you get to choose mm-hmm. so uncovering your conditioning in all of these areas is the first pillar in recovering you, which is my new small group program. We talked about it last week, but it's going to be amazing guys.
1: It really is.
0: (laughs) So the, the question is, you know, why does this matter? Well, it's because of what I said at the beginning, most of us are creating our lives based on the values and ideas that were handed to us as children. And we may or may not agree with them, but sometimes we don't even recognize that there are other options because we just are blinded by our own conditioning and we see it as truth when really it's not. So becoming aware and then undoing your conditioning is the first step in creating the life that you choose to live, which is a whole new concept when you're leaving a high demand religion.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) You get to choose and you get to figure out who you were always meant to be.
1: Yeah. And if you want to explore that, if that sounds appealing to you, you can get on the waitlist for recovering you.
0: The link is in the bio (laughs) or not the bio. The link is in the show notes for this episode. And if you get on the waitlist, you'll actually get a discount for your first month in the program and you'll get early access to registration so that you can be sure to get in. So I hope that you will come and join us in Recovering You. And that's what we have for you today. Angela, is there anything else that you have to add?
1: I don't think so. Just make sure you like and subscribe and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, if you head
0: over to Spotify, you can participate in weekly polls and questions that are related to every week's topic. So we'd love to have you interact there. And also you can join our Facebook group, which is called Faithful to Free on Facebook for women of any religious background who are ready to heal and move on from high demand religion. Yeah, we hope to see you there. All right. Thank you for being here and we will see next week bye bye, bye.